Well, we're here on another edition of the Roaring Twenties podcast, episode two. Hope everyone's well, everyone's safe, and everybody's staying inside. This is Voice of the Royals, David Fine with you for what's going to be a fun episode here, chatting with Yannick Tifu, the captain of the 2013 Kelly Cup championship team with the Royals, played four seasons with Reading, and in that 2013 season, helped the Royals defeat the Stockton Thunder in five games. And we go pretty in-depth on that 2013 playoff run, as well as the end of the 2011-12 season. Has some really fun stories, brings a different perspective than maybe even uh, uh, some fans recall from 2012-13. And uh, this is going to be a fun one. So without further ado, we're going to toss it to Yannick. As we get started, though, a reminder, RoyalsHockey.com has details for all fans looking at information for the 20th anniversary season ticket plans, uh, etc., and some also frequently asked questions on the Royal site. So let's get right on with Yannick and enjoy. We're here on another edition of the Roaring Twenties podcast, examining the best people, the best places, the best moments of the first 19 years of Royals history as we get set for the 2020-2021 season, which will be the 20th anniversary season for the Reading Royals. And we turn it to a man who really needs no introduction, uh, the Kelly Cup champion, captain of the Reading Royals, Yannick Tifu. Yannick, thanks again for coming on. Where are you sitting right now? What are you doing as we're all kind of just quarantined here and uh, everyone's staying safe? I'm sitting home right now, um, having a glass of wine outside and just relaxing. I mean, um, nothing else to do, to be honest. I'm really happy to be on the podcast, to be honest. Uh, it's gonna bring it's gonna bring back some good memories, and like I said, just relaxing home, having a glass of wine, and ready to do this. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I know when uh, we started the podcast idea, uh, it was you know like let's especially now with everybody kind of sitting around and you know staying safe, staying inside. That may as well give something for uh, you know people to listen to around the house and you know relive some of the good old memories. So uh, glad you're doing it with a <laughs> with a glass of wine in hand. Uh, what happened to your season here? I know that you're still playing you know up in Quebec, playing professionally, and what ended up happening to your guys this season? Um. We uh, we finished the season on uh, March 9, which I think the the whole coronavirus virus started March 13. I mean, the, the lockdown started March 13, uh, which it was four days after. And we were supposed to start the playoff on March 14. Uh, they just said we're going to push it two weeks. Uh, and like everybody knows, you know, slowly and slowly more details came out and uh, they shut down after it. They say no more than 500 people in the same spot. And then after that, it was down to five people. And then eventually it's down to you got to stay home. So they just canceled the whole thing, which is really sad, to be honest. Uh, you worked 40 games all season long to get to the playoff. We had a struggle of a season, to be honest. Uh, we changed our coach. Um, we, uh, we we finished dead last, but everybody makes a playoff in her in her uh, in her um, in her league. So uh, we finished dead last, but which we finished eight and two in our last ten. We kind of had a good rhythm going on, um, but like I said, I think safety goes first. And uh, you know, we uh, it, it, I understand the whole thing. It's still sad for everybody. I'm pretty sure it's sad for all the Reading Royals players, the fan too. I mean, their season got canceled, but at the end of the day, uh, it's safety first. Your family and it's fine. I got to take care of my mom and dad and uh, the closest people to me. So that's fun too. What have you been doing to, uh, to pass the time out there? Uh, next, Netflix and chill, I guess. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I had the chance to go outside a little bit, play hockey by myself outside, um, taking some walks. Um, probably sooner or later, if my motivation starts, I'm going to start running because if not, next season I'll be I'll be waiting like 300 pounds, I guess. So um, I'm going to have to start doing a little bit of workout and stuff. But, you know, just watching some Netflix, um, FaceTime with a couple of my buddies on Friday and Saturday and, you know, having some fun. Um, nothing else, to be honest. Trying to stay, like I say, stay safe and trying to not walk around for no reason. I go to the grocery. I did a big grocery and that's it. So uh, trying to stay home and uh, hopefully end soon. You sound like pretty much I'd, I'd have to assume everyone else listening just kind of turning on the TV, going for some walks, trying to find the motivation to run. I think most people <laughs> yeah. are right on with that. Uh, let's go back a little bit here. If we, we rewind to uh, pre-quarantine times, so – uh, you ended up joining the Royals back. Uh, you were already playing pro since the 06-07 season, but in 2011-12, you joined the team, and um, you ended up being traded from the Chicago Express to Reading. Uh, relive that that day, those couple days for you of how you ended up joining a, a team that you had played against so much previously with Elmira and other organizations. Um, it, was, um, it was a hard one, to be honest. I remember the whole uh, week. I uh, had to struggle a little bit. You know, um, um, Steve Martinson, who was my coach my first year in Rockford in 0506 before I joined the ECHL. Um, I think it was 0506, 04, 05, whatever it was, um, in Rockford. Um, Marty was a good friend. Um, then the, the year after, instead of staying in the UHL, I, I, I went to, to Phoenix, which uh, didn't really work out and ends up in Dayton. And um, after a couple of years, Marty came back in ECHL with Delmara. So I follow Marty and Delmara. I really wanted to go there. Um, and when Marty uh, Marty had the, the job in Chicago, had a new team, I went there. And without saying it went downhill from there, but I think Marty and me didn't see eye to eye. So I kind of saw the trade coming. I didn't know if I was going to be in Reading. Uh, I saw the trade coming. I remember my, uh, my ex-wife at that time flew home for a couple of days. And uh, the day that she came back uh, in Chicago, I couldn't get a hold of her, but I got traded to Reading during the day. And she was in, she was on her flight, so I couldn't get a hold of her. So I remember driving 45 minutes because we're in off-minute state, and uh, it's like 45 minutes, an hour from Chicago airport. So I drove there. I'm waiting for her, and she's all happy to see me and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're not, you're not going to have to unpack. She goes, why? Well, I, like, oh, I got traded to Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, and they're practicing tomorrow, and I want to leave tonight because I want to be on the ice. So uh, it's like, okay. So we got home, packed everything, and traveled all night to Reading, and uh, that's how it happened. So the whole week I kind of got ready. I think if my mind I, – if I remember, I had some talks with Marty about maybe move on from, from what we had as a relationship for four years, and uh, we didn't see eye to eye, like I said earlier, so – um, I kind of saw it coming, but Reading never saw it coming. A little bit in and out because every time I played in Reading, um, Larry Larry talked to me a couple of times during uh, pregame warm pregame uh, skates in the morning. He came on the side of the bench. I was there, just getting ready for my morning skate, and he would talk to me. And one guy that probably listen is Pat, our, our old trainer. Pat used to always uh, take care of me every time I played for Dayton. I would come down and. He would say, you need anything. You know, in, in, in the old days in Dayton, we didn't have the big budget, to be honest. So, Pat would always take care of me. He'd say, hey, if you ever come to Reading, hey, I'll take care of you. And so, I kind of had a little idea one day I might play for the Reading Royals. But 
you never know. And then, uh, but that day came, and then yeah, so drove all night and got to Reading in the morning, and boom, was on the ice that morning. So pretty much just like I think about a nine-hour drive or so from yeah yeah. So you left at what time? Got into Reading at what time? And then what time were you on the ice? You know, uh, got. Like I said, my wife was on the plane, so I couldn't get a hold of her. But I start packing already the uh, the apartment a little bit, you know, like bang bang, like you know, I didn't have to clean everything, you know what I mean? Like I mean, it was early in the season. If I remember, I don't remember how many games I played in uh, in uh, in uh, Chicago, maybe ten or thirteen. I don't remember exactly, um, but it was early in the season, so I only had to pack like you know our clothes and everything, like the dishes and everything was not ours. So. Um, but packed the car, probably left around 10, 11 at night, I would say. Got there probably around maybe early than that, 9 o'clock at night, maybe. Got there at 4 or 5 in the morning, went to the uh, hotel, and I think morning skate was at 10. So was on the ice, was really tired, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, it was a long drive. Uh, my ex-wife drove a little bit, too, so that was nice, too. Like she, she didn't, I didn't drove the whole time. I kind of slept a little bit, so she knew I had to practice in the morning. But, yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a weird day, to be honest. What were some of your first impressions what, once you got acclimated uh, and obviously slept a little bit to, uh, you know, what the organization was all about from being inside of it rather than being, a, you know, an opponent that might just come in for 24 hours, play a game, and leave? Um, it was nice to be honest. I uh, I have a lot of memories and and Reading. Uh, I mean, obviously the Kelly Cup and everything that happened, the the jersey retirement and everything. But uh, one that that stick to my mind is the day that I got traded. I remember uh, we we're playing at home, um, and uh, starting lineup used to be uh, we used to walk all the way around, all the way around, uh, and 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 and. You know, at the opposite of the Zamboni door, like in the corner, um, it used to be the entry of the player, right? So you would leave the room and walk all the way around. It would be a long walk. And I had that starting lineup that night. And uh, and uh, I was like, I was so nervous because every time I step in that building, I think a week before, or a week and a half, Chicago played uh, Reading, in, in Reading, and I scored a goal that night. And I kind of made the, uh, the sign after my goal, like uh, – trying to like say uh i was trying to like uh you know how you say like uh, i'm i was making a sign to the the, the 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 crowd to be quiet you know and uh i was really nervous nervous that whole way from the room to the starting lineup say do i'm gonna get booed do i'm gonna get like how it's gonna go because i've been playing with almara and and dayton and coming down this building and people hated me and the way that the fan um uh, cheer for me when they announced my name on the starting lineup. I mean, from there was a a love relationship between Reading and me. I mean, we 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 never got separated. One year when I went to Europe and then I came back, but uh, it was it was unbelievable. I still have that memory in me, and probably one of the best moments I had with the Reading Royals, to be honest. Again, here with Yannick Tifu, four seasons with Reading, captain the Royals in the 2013 championship season. But the you know sometimes what gets lost, and this could be for any sports team is that especially if you have a lot of the returning pieces the big names that come back the leadership group or sometimes even the young guys is that you know how a season ends sometimes the year before a really successful season 
can make a difference. And what I mean by that is, you know, you look at it from the Royals this season, uh, the meaning in 2018-19 into 2019-20, the Royals had missed the playoffs by just a single point in 2018-19. And it was, it was heartbreaking to not make the playoffs. But then, of course, the team comes back this year in 2019-20 and had one of arguably its top five regular seasons or was on pace to before uh, the season ended up getting uh, suspended and then eventually canceled. But the 2011-12 season, there was that famous run at the end of the year where the Royals ended up clinching on the last day of the regular season, uh, coincidentally beating out the Chicago Express. What do you remember yeah. about those last few weeks and you know that last game where you guys are literally in the locker room sitting around waiting to figure out the result of uh, Chicago versus Cincinnati and you find out that you make the playoffs? I remember two Cincinnati pull up their goalie at the end of the game and we're like losing our mind. Like, what are you doing? And I think somebody, I think it was Danik Paquette who, uh, who played for Royal, who was playing in Chicago, his stick broke at the red line or something happened, I remember. And um, yeah, it was it was crazy that that whole week. I think uh, we, uh, we, we, had a, we had a struggle of a year that year. Um, it was hard. And then toward the end of the season, we kind of got together and say, you know, we got to make a push. Do you want to go home and, and not make the playoff and be sitting at home for three, four months and or you want to push? And I think we, 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 as a team, we had a lot of character in that dressing room and we decided let's, let's push. Let's make it a push. And, I mean, we didn't want – we didn't have the resort we wanted, which we, all, we almost did with uh, taking the lead against Almara in the first round. Um, we know the rest, but, I mean – uh, it was a good end of the season. I thought, I thought, you know, Larry, Larry handled really well that dressing room that year. We had, you know, it was a hard season for everybody. A lot of changes uh, in and out, players leaving, players getting traded, uh, new guys coming in. Uh, Larry's trying to get some new guys from NCAA and stuff like that. And and at the end of the year, that push was was really good for everybody. Um, it was fun. Uh, it was, you know, it's it's more fun when you win than you lose, right? And uh, but yeah, making the playoff that last day and being in the dressing room, I remember the party after. I had a couple of beers in the dressing room. It was really fun. Um, it was a great moment. When uh, in those last few weeks, I should say, um, as you guys are making the run, and even you know whether it's in the locker room, what were what were you willing to give up? Like, what were you praying to at that time to say, like, please let us get in. I'll give up this. I'll give up anything. What were you saying at the time? Uh you know, uh, to be honest, I, I just enjoy playing the game, to be honest. I, I, I don't remember if – I just remember that feeling of, of being released, uh, making the playoff. I, I enjoy so much playing hockey. I'm, 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 I just enjoy everything. I, I wouldn't say I would have give up something, but for me, playoffs is it, – it, it's what you live for, right? I mean, you, you, you play all the regular season. Sometimes you have up and downs, and, and, and regular season is just to qualify for the playoff. And then when you're in the playoff, everything can happen, right? And and for me, it was just just enjoying hockey and being happy to come to the rink and, and going through that push with the boys. And we had a good group. Like I said, we had fun outside of the rink. Uh, but, like, I was so I was so happy that day, that relief, when, when that game ended in Cincinnati and we made the playoff. And at, at the same time, Chicago didn't make the playoff because we made it. So it was kind of a little boost for me, too. How much did the uh, the end of season run and the success in the last week of making the playoffs in the 11-12 season? How much did that, or maybe it didn't impact at all, 2012-13, uh, where the obviously the team wins the championship despite starting slowly that year? 
Um, I don't know if it did because, to be honest, we didn't have a lot of returners. Um, we didn't. Uh, my mind is playing tricks on me right now, but I don't think we had a lot, a lot of rem- a, a lot of guys coming back from the year before. Um, it, and like you said, we didn't really. Ca- it's not like we carried it away. Like everybody say, we started one in six or one in five, one in six, I think. So we didn't really carry. Um, it was that season to the 2013 championship is two different seasons. And to be honest, it's because of the lockout and it's two different mindset. That year we were a lot going through the emotion of trying to make the playoff. And the year of the Kelly cup, I think we had a lot of expectation, um, and it was two different things to handle, to be honest. Yeah, that team, and, and obviously the Capitals' affiliation certainly helped, which is what a lot of you know Royals fans still start yeah. back in being affiliated with a different team. Uh, Philip Grubauer in net to start the year, Riley Gill, and uh, comes in at the end of the year, and then the playoffs um, and all the other just you know amazing. Uh, 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 aspects that went into the 12-13 year. I know the team started slowly, and sometimes you get different answers from different former Royals on this, but where do you think, if there's one identifiable moment that everything turned in that season and allowed the team to go on that great run in the regular season where, you know, you start slowly and then basically by December, you know, it's it's all all Jets are running 100%. Uh, I'll be <laughs> It's funny you asked me that question because I kind of, before you called me, I was like, I know this question's coming because I know a lot of people always ask that question. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people have that different answer. But I'm pretty sure a lot have the same answer that that I'm going to give is when the lockout ended. Why why would you say when the uh, lockout ended? Um, I think the pressure. um, That year for the people that, don't uh, a lot of people that were part of the team knows that but the people that were not part of the team I mean the fans and everybody that come to the rink and, and be there for us didn't know that but having every week um, the Washington Capitals at the rink because they were spending a week at example in Reading and then the next week in Hershey they would be in and out of because of, I mean their, their their prospect would be in Hershey and Reading, right? We had right. Stanislav Galiev, we had Grubauer, we had a, we had a lot of guys, and and um, so when they come to the rink, like Adam Moats and George McPhee, like we would have guys come in and try to explain the new system, and w- they would be at the at the rink because I mean they didn't have the Washington Capitals were on breaks, right? They were on lockouts, so they didn't have hockey. So I think that probably put a lot of pressure on some young guys. Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like the turnaround came when the lockout ended. Yannick Tifu with us on the Roaring Twenties podcast, talking about the 2012-13 season. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing that you could look at arguably the, you know, the, the two greatest goaltenders, potentially two of the best three, two of the best four goaltenders in Royals history, uh, uh, you know, playing for the team that year in Phillip, and then obviously Riley Gill. Uh, playing the 14 games at the end of the regular season and then every game in the uh, or, or 17 uh, games in the postseason. Marco Williams, of course, gotten a few as well. Uh, but with Gill in particular, uh, when we were talking with Pat about it on the first episode, uh, we were talking about what that moment was like when, you know, Gill joins the Royals late in the season. And uh, from your perspective, the team was, you know, rolling, but maybe looking for that one 
last piece with Grubauer up in the AHL at the time and eventually to the NHL. Uh, what do you remember about those couple days surrounding Riley Gill joining the Royals? Uh, you know, like, we kind of finally got a groove with, you said, Grubauer and everything, and then we lose Grubauer, and, and we're like, okay, we're on our way, I think, to Florida. I'm not sure. We're at the airport, and maybe if you ever get Larry Corville on, on, on the podcast, he'll tell you the story more because I'm not 100% sure, but it was hard to get Gil. Gilsey was hard to get because something with his equipment. I, I don't remember the whole story, but we're at the airport. We have no goalie. Uh, probably Nick Nieder come in for a 25 stink with the Reading Rolls again, probably. Uh, <laughs> uh, which I love Nick Nieder, by the way. I love the guy. Um, but, yeah, so be nervous at the airport. I remember that. And finally, Gil's got here, got on the roll, and to be honest, I think with the season he had and, and uh, where he was in the SP, I think he didn't lose that many games, to be honest. I think Gil was on a mission, to be honest. Not on a mission to to not on a mission to, to win the Cali Cup at that point, but he was on a mission to say, I'm sticking to the ECHL. And and to be honest, he was unbelievable. Um, I mean, I, we would win a game one nothing. I wouldn't be nervous. You know what I mean? Like, Gil would make the save. Um I have a lot of memories, but I remember the the five on three against Florida in the Kelly Cup uh, conference final that he was making save like crazy um, down on game seven. Um, I mean, it was three one or it was two one. I don't remember. I think it was three one. But Gil was just on a mission. But yeah, losing losing Grubauer was hard. Um, we had a lot of goalie going through that year, and then finally Gil comes in and then take the spot, and you know. And then history was made after. I mean, Gil went all the way. And then, you know, yes, uh, we uh, made some, some some big wins in the playoff. But, I mean, they both were good, but Gil was just on a mission. Other than the the, the uh, cup clincher in, in Stockton, uh, what playoff game do you see as key to what led to the Royals winning the Kelly Cup? Um. I'm going to say uh, there's a lot of keys, you know, like um, to win, to to win, I realized to win a Kelly, to win any championship, uh, you have to have the balance on your side, right? Um, there's a lot, a lot of keys to that playoff run. Um, I think one that, like, I mean, there's, there's that one with, with, with the goal of Barry, uh, on the four-minute power play against Cincinnati at home, uh, the double overtime win it with Bobby Shea, but to tie the game, we have a four-minute power play, and Cincinnati ends up scoring the go-ahead goal on that four-minute power play, and then we couldn't even get a setup in the offensive zone, and remember Dominic Jalbert took a slap shot from the red line, and hit Barry on the hand call, and then bounced into the net. I, I mean, that that for me, that's a lucky bounce, but I'm going to say that last eight minutes in Florida – when the series was um, when the series was tied two two and we're down. Uh, by the way, we won game four and five in overtime. Uh, but game four, uh, game five, losing by two um, with seven minutes left and scoring two power play goals, then ends up winning in overtime with um, Evan Barlow scoring in overtime. Uh, I think that's a turning point at that point. Uh, but like I said, there's so many going through the puff. I can go on and on. Uh, 
like that Cincinnati we still a lot of people say which series was the hardest I would I always say Florida a lot of people say Cincinnati um Cincinnati was in five but four game in overtime um and I have a bad memories against Cincinnati to be honest uh, I laugh about it today, but yeah. So like I said, there's a lot, but I would say game five against Florida, down by two with seven minutes left against defending champ. Uh, that was a, that was a turning point, I think. Evan Barlow, Nikita Kashirsky scores to tie the game in the uh, last two minutes, and then Evan Barlow again. Uh, you ended up getting the assist on that Barlow goal. It gave the Royals a a five to four win. Uh, to take a 3-2 series lead. And then after Florida earned a one-goal win in Game 6 and Game 7, a 4-1 win, uh, that was the famous uh, Ian O'Connor celebrating after, yeah. you know, digging the grave uh, type thing. And uh, Kirk McDonald also uh, scored the final goal of that series, gave the Royals a 4 to nothing lead. Florida got a goal in the last uh, mi- uh, two minutes of the game. Uh, and then the Royals, of course, ended up winning, advancing uh, to the Kelly Cup final. Uh, a lot of people have sort of, chatted about Royals fans I'm talking about in the last few weeks that you know the intensity of what might have been a series where the Royals uh, you know played Newfoundland has certainly been on people's minds and I actually was talking with our beat reporter Jason Guerrini and he said it would have been like Florida uh, in terms of you know how hard a series like that can be I don't think maybe people will appreciate it enough and you can maybe shed some light on it is you know when you play a seven game series how mentally taxing is that on a on a person and on a player uh it's hard and and with the travel and everything i mean um people know we're not in the nhl i mean we don't have private jets um and florida i mean we're we're, i mean we're lucky still we're we're going in plane but it's long and uh, it's taxing your 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 body and 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 the hardest part about it and the same thing you just said if reading world would have played uh Newfoundland in the playoffs. Newfoundland was defending champ. It's always hard to play the defending champ, and they're they were on a momentum. They know how to win. They know the little thing. They know the details. They know it's going to hurt to win. And to be honest, going through that's why I always say, uh, even though a lot of people say Cincinnati was a hard series, uh, Florida was a hard series because they were defending champ, and it was seven game series uh, with two overtime. Uh, there was no blowout. It was always a one-goal game, except for the last one with the four-to-one. It was a four-three, four-three. I think game one and two, or something like that. Um, I mean, the series was hard, and um, and and like I said, they had a lot of returner from the Kelly Cup the year before, and so the, it was a hard, it was a hard series. It took a lot of energy, and then you go on for two, three days later, play Cincinnati, and go into double overtime. I mean, the energy, it was hard on, on our body for a little bit, to be honest. The uh, second round series was the only one that the Royals finished at home. Uh, every other series was, you know, taken on the road. The Royals won in game five in Cincinnati, which avoided the series from having to, you know, come the nine, eight hours back east uh, to Reading, PA. Obviously, Stockton uh, was finished on the road as well. Uh, in the game four win, that was the one where you scored with uh, 11 seconds left. And I know that, you know, for some of the series, it's been talked about that, uh, you know, maybe wasn't your best, which is maybe what you were saying a little bit before. Uh, but and I, I knew you knew that I was probably going to ask about this, but you score, yeah. in the, you score in the final 12 seconds. And uh, I guess that got the monkey off the back for yourself in that circumstance, given what was going on in the first few games, right? I, 
I, I think I think it, it got my spot back in the lineup for Game Five. To be honest, because I was probably ten seconds away to be scratched. Uh, make it a short story. That series was probably not my best. Um, I had a struggle a little bit. Probably got overexcited. Um, uh, was really excited going through conference final and and getting closer to the Kelly Cup and maybe my emotion played with me and took a lot of penalty in that series, which some cost some goals. Um, and uh, before game, be- the night before that game, which that was game four, right? So game three, I think I took a penalty that cost the goal, uh, two penalties in that game. Um, Larry didn't really like my play. So the next day at morning skate, Larry, uh, Larry had a chat with me on during the morning skates and uh, – he said, Tiff, I don't know if you're playing tonight. And like for the people that remember that, we had uh we were so deep into our lineup. We had uh I think Valerani sitting in the stand with sixty points. We had uh, at one point we had Galiev sitting in the stands uh in the Kelly Cup, uh who had almost fifty points. We had uh, Almeida who had sixty points sitting in the stand. Um so just so people know how deep we were into our lineup, we were sitting guys point per game, three guy point per game in the in the stand. And uh, Larry said, uh, "Tiff, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you're going to be playing tonight. Uh, go through the morning skate, and uh, uh, we'll see after." So, did my morning skate. You know, as a professional, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I think it's hard to put your ego, you have to put your ego aside. You know, you're you're what five win away for from winning a Kelly Cup. So I was like, you know, I'm going to put a four, five, six win away. So I was like, you know, I'll put my ego, which I'm still pissed at myself, but I say, you know, I'll I'll live with it. And um, after the morning skate, Larry came to me. He's like, you know what? Uh, you'll be playing tonight, but extra forward. That's fine, Larry. I'll do what I have to do. So during that game, I had a in and out shift, you know, power play there, power play there, and um, didn't really play that much. And... Um, Towards the end of the game, um, Larry sent me for a shift, which is a 2-1 game. And uh, Larry sent me out for a shift, and I don't know what happened. I thought the guy came to the bench and didn't come. And I remember jumping on the ice, and there was probably six or 7,000 people in the building, and I swear to God I could hear only Larry's voice. When I'm sitting, I'm in the middle of the ice, and Larry's yelling at me to come back to the bench. Sorry, because we're too many men which I made a bad change and uh, ends up uh, I think Pellick who played with the Red Rolls tied a game to make it 2-2 and uh, I was like oh my god so um, the walk of shame from the US Bank Arena from the penalty box across the, to the box, to the bench is a pretty bad walk of shame to be honest I'm like oh my god this is over my, my playoffs are over right now to be honest I'm just hoping, can we just win the game? At least Larry might not yell at me after the game in front of everybody in the dressing room. At least. Like, just win the game. So I'm sitting on the bench. and At the end of the game, uh, I didn't play a shift, to be honest. And at the end of the game, um, we got a power play. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, please just score a goal. And we go home, and that's it. We, we get, we're up 3-1 in the series, and we got that. And I get a tap on the shoulder, and Larry, I won't use the word that he said, but the F word was there, but he said, go redeem yourself. I said, okay. Put me on the point, and from there, I mean, if people remember the goal, it was a, I try a pass, it got blocked, and 
I kind of follow my pass. It got it got blocked by the guy. It was a shot pass back door. I remember. I think it was Barry back door. It was a shot pass. Got blocked. Came back right into my hand, and I just trying to put it low. If you can see the video, I was just I was playing D, so I didn't want to get caught neither. So I was just trying to like okay, I push it back down and hopefully it gets to the net and there's no block shot. And lucky me, bounce in and <laughs> and then I was like, wow, this is. I'm like, okay, we win. Maybe I'll be scratched tomorrow, but at least we won. And then from there, Larry, like I mean, came in the dressing room and I remember he say he finally redeemed himself. And uh, from there, after that, the next day was. I think we scored short ended goal with K Mac at the start and then from there was uh we won three one. But yeah, that day was nerva it was nervous for me and a lot of a lot of weight got off my shoulder with that goal with eleven seconds left in Cincinnati. Royals clinch the uh Eastern Conference against Cincinnati and then go on to play Stockton, uh the Western Conference champion, uh in a final that started with the Kashirsky overtime goal. Uh when Kishirsky scored that goal just really the entire series. I remember or the those first two games um, hearing from K-Mac talking about it, that the energy was just incredible, that it wasn't a sellout crowd. It was, you know, 5,500, um, but that, you know, the Kishirsky overtime goal and just sort of the whole lead up, the first period, how loud it was. What do you remember about, you know, the fan support uh, leading into those first two games of the Kelly Cup final? Uh, like you said, I mean, I was not sold out, but um, – it felt like it was 50,000 people in there. Um, it was, it was great. Uh, we have, for me, we have the best fan in, in the ECHL to be honest. And I'm not saying that cause I played there. Um, I played in Elmira. I played in Florida. I played the uh, Phoenix. I, I played some places. And to be honest, uh, Reading Royals fans are unbelievable. And even though they were only 55 and we can sit 7,000, I mean, it looked like it was jam pack and that feeling of that game, um, was unreal to be honest i think it was the perfect game for for the fan and the players coaches wise no um i think that's the only i wouldn't i wouldn't say i was i'll be cocky in my in in the way i'm gonna say it but that's the only game that we give a sniff to be honest to stockton and it because we never played them so we didn't know how to play them but i'm not i love i respect the run they had and to be honest they made unbelievable comeback after comeback but at the end of the day that game was just it was a trade we're trading goals after goals after goals after goal and that's not the way we wanted to play and the next day everybody know we won four nothing and i mean I, I don't know how many shots we give but we probably didn't give that many shots and i think we we it was perfect for the fan game one which the crowd got into it but hockey wise i remember larry not being happy with the way we played and we were not happy with the way we played neither after the uh, the second game, what do you remember about uh, the fans saluting you guys as it was then off to Stockton with a 2-0 series lead? Oh, it was great. To be honest, I wish I wish we I wish we lost in Stockton. We could have come back home and win. But at the end of the day, with the ECHL being two three two, you can't you can't do that and then come back home for a game six and seven. It's, I mean. Obviously, it would have been nice if it's like the NHL. You play two, two, one, one, one. Then game five would have been home, um, but there was no risk to take to come back home. And but obviously, it would have been nice because their fan was great. Like having that salute, and we kind of had a feeling we were not coming back home to win to clinch the cup at home. We kind of had a feeling, um, maybe overconfident. I don't know. 
we didn't show it, but I think in her attitude, without being cocky, we kind of knew we had that under control. So we kind of knew we were coming back home with the cup, not without the cup. What's it like sitting in an airport with a championship trophy like uh, like you guys were sitting with? Uh, we didn't have uh, – uh, we didn't. Uh, the 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 party was fun, but we didn't have the cup at the airport. It was uh, in. It, it was under the plane. We got it when we we got to. Uh, it was weird. It was, to be honest, it was a long day because we were a little bit tired. <laughs> I can say. <laughs> uh, but we 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 were split. Uh, we didn't have uh, the team flew from from Sacramento together, but some went to like maybe Washington. I would say. Or like not watching, but everybody flew to Philly, but on a different uh, air. Like we had a group going, for example, to Phoenix, and a group going to somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like so, we we didn't see each other until Philly. And when we got to Philly, I remember being at this where we get your, your luggage, and we were just waiting for the box with the cup. And then I think guys were not even worried about their their suitcase or anything, just waiting for the cup. The cup got there, we got it off the box, and then the party started in Philly. But I think the ref from Sacramento to Philly was more of a rest day, to be honest. <laughs> guys were guys were tired. Well, I'll be honest, we didn't sleep. <laughs> to be honest, we didn't really sleep. So after uh, the team wins the cup, there's the parade and everything. And I know that's just such a fond memory for you guys. You know, the crowds. You know, eight, ten, twelve, if not more deep at certain points, riding from West Reading. You know, start of Why I'm Missing. Now there's a Wawa right where the parade started, by the way. Uh, the McDonald's parking lot uh, all the way across to the arena and then, uh, you know, rallying the fans in. Uh, any any fun memories you have of, uh, you know, going through the parade and what that was like? Uh, to be honest, the, the only memory I have from that is I mean, I remember the whole thing, but I'm pretty sure if you ask any of uh, the member of uh, of that Kelly Cup championship year, um, it's the way uh, we got welcome home. And, and, and I'm I'm not just talking about the parade. And, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make it a short story. But I'm gonna start when we flew from Philly. When we got to Philly, uh, we're on the bus and it's really, really relaxed, and everybody is sitting on the in her in her in her uh we're still a little bit tired we had a couple drinks and, and i think 40 maybe half hour 20 minutes before we get to reading we got pulled over by uh by uh police and the fire trucks I'm like what's going on so like hey so coxie came back and me uh got into uh with the kelly cup into a fire uh fighter truck and they kind of escort us all the way to reading and you should see the people um, from like maybe 10 or 12 minutes before uh, the Santander Arena, which is where the Sovereign Center before. And um, there was people outside waiting for us, which people I never saw to, uh, to games. Legit never saw the game. Like just people sitting outside cheering for us um, all the way to the rink. And when we got to the rink, to the parking lot, the, the, the dock where, uh, you know, the entry of the player, um, there was thousands and thousands of fans and just like okay we're and that's what it is when you win a Kelly Cup you always think oh I'm gonna have a day off today we party hard last night we'll go at it uh, the next day because it's the parade and then we saw all those fans and ends up going for uh, I don't know where downtown a bar and fans were there partying with the cup and just the wall come and then the next day we get there and it's like okay 
parade ECHL, how it's going to look, to be honest. And just to see all those people, um, again, some that are fans, but let's be honest, we have 5,500, 6,000 top that come. Sometimes you have 7,000 on pink in the ring. But when you had, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe people know how much people there were, but I'm, I felt like there was 10 or 12,000 people outside, people that I never saw to the rink. And just how it brought the community together and reading together, and it was, it was so fun. So that's probably the memory that I have the most. And yes, partying with my teammates, having a blast with my teammates, and enjoy every moment. But having that moment with the fan, and that's why I say I regret we didn't win it at home because it would have been a blast. But at the same time, winning on the road is great because you have time to celebrate more with your teammates. Uh, you're more with just the boys. I think we left the dressing room and 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 uh, we left the, uh, the 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 dressing room in Stockton when we won. Uh, I think it was maybe one or two in the morning. So uh, it's more it, that's the fun part. But like I said, best memory is how we got welcome home. How did uh, sort of flipping it back a little bit? You know, how did your game change from when you joined the Royals and, you know, in order to be successful playing under Larry for four years, how did, how did your game change? Um, more and more I was getting, without saying getting older, but just realized that um, maybe not, I'm maybe not a go-to guy anymore. Um, you know, making the little details, uh, to win a championship, it's not all about maybe without saying I was all about me going through my career, but you know how it is. The CHL guys wants to go to the A. Uh, they want to go to the NHL. So sometimes you think about your stats. You think about yourself. Um, you come to the ring, you're like, hey, maybe if I pull up two or three points, I get a called up. Um, and then eventually after realizing that I'm not going to make a career in the AHL and I realized, you know, ACHL is where I belong is where – I'm having fun and uh, like I said I was getting I was 26 27 years old and I said you know what I'm going to make details I'm going to be I'm going to be better in maybe defensive zone I'm I'm, I'm going to try to make maybe instead of making uh, 90 points I'm going to make 70 but I'm going to make it count you know what I mean and I'm going to make details that instead of cheating to make points 90 uh, I'm going to make sure I block that shot you know what I mean so so that's what my mindset was and I remember saying in an interview when I went, I was finally, for me, like going through ECHL and going through teams and having, without being arrogant, having success, um, having points, I'm going to say, you know, I may go down as a good player in the ECHL, but people will never remember, remember me because I never won a championship. And I wanted to win that championship. And I think that year I got traded to Lowry and put me captain and then I understand I had a role and I was trying to understand some stuff that I had to do better and that's why I'm trying to change my mentality of my game. What about when you had the chance to come back to Reading after you'd spent the year overseas and then you know came back Brampton just sort of a you know like a cup of tea five games with Brampton but then what type of leader in person did you see yourself as in that second and ultimately your final stint with the Royals in 2015-16? I'll be honest, I think it's my favorite year of, of all. In all my 10 year in ECHL, 11 years, I think it's the season that I enjoy the most. Um, I was, you know, I, I, I went to Brampton on, my goal, and I told my ex-wife, my goal was 
I want to play in the ACHL maybe a couple more years, and then when I'm ready to retire, I want to do it with the Reading Royals. I want to retire as a Reading Royals. So I'm going to play one more season with Royals at one point, and I'm done. And she said, okay. And then when we started bad in Brampton, uh, the coach called me and said, Tiff, we're going to let you go. I said, okay, I'm, I'm only going to Reading or I'm not going nowhere else. Can you please get me to Reading? And made the trade and ends up coming to Reading. And right away when I called Larry, Larry said, Tiff, I don't know. I don't have that much, but I said, Larry, listen, I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm done. Uh, my ex-wife at that time, she's like, she, she wanted me home and she said, it's enough. And my body and everything, I was like, I'm done, Larry, but I want to come down one last time. If I don't play all the games, I don't care. Can I be on the bench? I want to be part of the team. Bringing a different attitude. I'm I'm not all about playing all the games. If you scratch me, and if you talk to Larry, the first time that he ever scratched me was probably one one of his hardest thing to do. And I remember he called me and said, Tiff, can you come to the office? And I said, yeah, buddy. And then he said, you're scratched tonight. Yeah, that's fine. And then he looked at me. I said, like, okay. And then I stayed into the rink. I made a workout, came back at night. And to be honest, I I enjoyed that year because for me, I was trying to be a, a role model for every young guy coming in the dressing room. And it sounds stupid, but ending my career scoring and wheeling to tie the game, I know we lost. But for me, it was a great feeling to end my career. I wish we won because I think we had something that year. But... Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that year. I played only 60 games because we had 11 injury and stuff. But uh, I was behind the bench helping K-Mac and Larry. And uh, like I said, I enjoyed that year a lot. I saw a different perspective of myself. And that's why today I I, I, I coach back home here. I work for a college. And I work. Uh, I coach Bantam AAA, uh, assistant coach. And that's why I knew I was going through that direction. And I enjoyed that last year, to be honest. And I... I can only – I got closer to K-Mac and Larry than I got closer when we won a Kelly Cup, to be honest. I was close to them, but I got closer to those, 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 those both individuals from the way they, they show me the game and the way uh, I was trying to learn it, to be a, a better person. How much did that uh, uh, final year um, sort of make you realize that – you also wanted to stay in the game by sort of reinvigorating your, you know, your love for teaching and, you know, things like that. Um, it, 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 I needed that. Like I said, I needed, I needed that kind of year. Uh, I think I made, I made peace with myself when we made the trade, which it was hard, but I made peace. I took a, a full day before I said, okay, I'm going to go to Reading. Uh, but I needed that. And that's why I talked to, my ex-father-in-law at that time who's he's a scout for Hockey Canada woman and I was like I think I'm ready I'm there uh and and she said okay maybe that's why it didn't work in Brampton maybe I was already there in my head but I didn't realize yet um so I needed that and I think there's no better person than K-Mac and Larry because I I have a lot of respect for both of those individuals and K-Mac as a hockey player and as a coach, uh, I have a lot of respect and, and I have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of respect for Larry Corville for bringing me to Reading and giving me a chance to, 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 to win a championship and being a leader, a part of a leadership group to win a Kelly Cup. So, I mean, I needed that. And then, I, I, like I said, 
some people end their career on a bad note. I ended my career on a, on a unreal note. Couple more here. Uh, obviously, KMAC's been coach for three years now. It'll be his fourth full season uh, as head coach um, in the 2020 2021 season. Uh, but in his first year back in 2017 18, uh, it was really special the night that, uh, you know, you had your uh, number retired to the rafters, uh, joining Larry up there, number 10, and then number 22, uh, and Larry's number. Um, I know it's been a few years now, which it seems like hard to. I think that it was pretty much like, you know, two years ago, two plus years at this point. But, um, you know, what does it mean to you looking back on it to be like, wow, I I had my number retired and I had a, you know, a guy that wore a letter with me on that championship team. And then, you know, a future coach in the 2015-16 season and KMAC kind of give the speech and, you know, wrap it all up before uh, you ended up speaking. Uh, Still today, I still have, uh, every time I think about it, I have goosebumps. Um, It's, like I said during my speech, it's it, that um, that jersey retirement. It's 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 a result of not just me, but my parents. And to be honest, it was just the best way to end my career and to thank my parents. As like I said during my speech, for people who remember, I said it doesn't say Yannick on top; it said Tifu, and it, it, it's my family. So it's a way of saying thank you to mom and dad, which. You know they put so much money and effort, and and uh, and you know I never played in the NHL, so I never had the chance to make a million and then say you know what I want to reimburse everything. Um, so for me, it was kind of a way to say thank you to my parents. And having K Mac making that speech, like I said, K Mac and me got closer the year that he coached me as an assistant coach, and um, it was great. Uh, it was fun. It was a fun weekend. Um, like I said, I have some good memories. I still sometimes go on YouTube and watch uh, the the ceremony. Give me goosebumps once in a while. Uh, it's a great moment. And what makes me the most sad about it is because of my hockey and everything here. Um, I was really excited to come last weekend for the alumni, which I would have not played my game five in, into my playoffs to come down, um, which uh, I already told the team that I was not going to – make it because I really wanted to go and last year I was really really sad that you guys missed the playoff by one point because I was excited to come down during the playoff um, like I said what one thing that I'm really sad about is since my jersey retirement I never came back and I told myself every year I'm going to try to come and see the people and see the fan and I never had the chance which I hope next year uh, have the chance to come and not the chance I'll make sure 100% I'm coming down next year and to see uh see the fans see a couple per- person that I want to see and see the boys play and trying to relive a little bit being part being in the building yeah I know with the alumni game probably going to pick out another date here pretty soon uh, we've all kind of been ever everyone's been thrown for a loop around the world so I guess that's kind of the uh, not even the excuse mm-hmm. just the reality but uh, Yannick this was a blast thanks again uh, we had a really fun time with this uh, gonna gonna air this here for episode two so um, this was a lot of fun and uh, you brought back a lot of good memories for uh, for a lot of people that were a part of it and that had a chance to experience it. So thank you again. Uh, thank you. And I'm going to finish by saying to all the Reading fans, uh, with with the time right now being hard and everything, with the, the, the virus going around, just make sure you stay home and be safe. And I know it's hard, but uh, sooner or later, well, you guys will be back uh, in the building or watch the Reading Royals, and hopefully they win a Kelly Cup next year, and then I'll be down there to celebrate with you guys when they win another Kelly Cup.